how how's your weekend so far um weekend is good i actually just got back from helium comedy club downtown indianapolis where my boyfriend joe is hosting he's hosting eight shows this weekend thursday through sunday eight shows the headliner is um damon wayans jr who you might know as coach from very cool yeah and also was he in scary movie or was that was he not in that one no 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 that, those were his brothers. Um, I don't know that they're brothers. Cause the Waynes, the Waynes brothers. I think didn't aren't I think they're all related. Um, di- his dad is uh, Wayne's brother. This is Damon Wayne's. Oh, his dad. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, that makes sense. This is okay. the next next generation. <laughs> Of weigh-ins. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, but the I show was it. good. No. Everyone did a good job. He was funny. It's always weird to see, like, someone that you're used to seeing on TV on your, like, in person. Totally. You're like, oh, yeah, I mm-hmm. guess that is what they look like. I don't know. It's weird. But uh, he was funny. So if anyone ever is in a city where he's doing stand-up, I, I would say go check it out. Cool. Um, My weekend so far has been good i haven't done a lot because starting at about noon yesterday it started snowing yeah you're trapped it's payback for all these uh i feel like every episode i'm like it's cold here and you're like it's beautiful in denver it's so sunny in the mountains (laughs) well technically denver isn't in the mountains well um, okay you know i've never been to colorado so Um, but yes, we've gotten like maybe a foot and a half already. I went for a walk today. I went, I just like walked to the park Mm -hmm. and I had like snow up to my like mid calf. It was, and you guys, Aurelia's legs are like so long. So that's actually the size of a small human, (laughs) (laughs) like a child. (laughs) Just kidding. Her, her legs are normal. Yeah, they're normal. Yeah. I mean, I am tall, but I mm-hmm. think that my body is, like, proportionate. I don't know yes. that my legs are yes. any longer than my torso, you no, know? very proportionate. <laughs> we like that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just... <laughs> um, but it's been, like, really cool. Like, I kind of like that it's, like, you know, like, snow day mm-hmm. kind of It's a thing. fun vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, two big, important holidays coming up. Um, Katie's birthday yeah. is this week. It is. On Wednesday? Yes. Wednesday. On Wednesday, when this comes out. So if you're listening to this, <clears throat> it either is my birthday T- or happy, it's already Katie, yes. happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... It also happens to be St. Patrick's Day, but Katie's yes. birthday is the prime holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would like everyone to get on that ship with yeah. me. Yeah, everyone gathers to celebrate my birthday, and then St. <laughs> Patrick's Day really, like, and just kind of green, glommed on. So they dre- wear green. That's why everyone, yeah, yeah totally. Um, <laughs> and then today, the Sunday that we're recording is Pi Day. Pi Day. Um, Day, did your school, when you were in school, did they ever do anything for Pi Day? 
I don't know. Maybe like in math class or something. It was a huge fucking like... deal at my school. <laughs> they went all out. We all had little hats that we decorated. We had a bake sale during the day. There was like, you could get extra credit for your math classes. Wait, hold on. It was crazy. Hang on. So the hats, were they like shaped like pieces of pie mm-hmm. or like the f- no. the pie symbol or what? No, they were, um, you know, like the steak and shake hats. Not oh. to, I'm sorry, not to Let's break not... that up, but, uh... <laughs> um, just would like to remind everyone still that Steak and Shake is hot trash. Yeah, this Moving is a on. point of contention, um, <laughs> but I had to use it as a descriptor for the hats. It's I like know. those little paper, I do know the hats. paper hats, so we yeah, decorate like the them. 50s diner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have a special like, love, or ug yes. for pies. Yep. So I picked three out. Perfect. And, okay. Chocolate cream pie. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Cherry pie. Mm. I know. And they're quite different as yes. far as pies go. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I don't love any of them. Um, oh. Hmm. I think... Well, Maybe I would say I'll pick chocolate for the love and then cherry for like and we'll put pumpkin at the end because I don't really even like pumpkin pie. I just like whipped cream. Yeah, I would actually do the exact same order. Oh my God. I I don't like pumpkin pie yeah. and my brother and my mom are like obsessed with it like they'll bake like <laughs> they'll just like get a casserole dish and just make the filling part and like eat that oh, no. <laughs> I know I know it's so weird anyways um what is your favorite pie if you oh, don't apple I um I like apple pie I uh have had like a uh, like a peach rhubarb pie once that was really mm. good. So peach is really. If good. I'm going like fruit, that's probably if I'm going the fruit route, that's probably up there. Uh, my mom makes a chocolate bourbon pecan pie, or it might just be chocolate pecan. Linda, can you intern intern Linda? Um, <laughs> but she made it for like the holidays this year, and it's so yummy. So that one's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually ate a lot of blue-barb pie, Ooh. which is blueberry and rhubarb. <laughs> That's my dad's specialty. That sounds good. Um, speaking of food, I made this really great rice dish mm-hmm. in my Instant Pot. And you could easily make it, like, vegetarian or vegan. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, lazy, lazy girl risotto, basically. Ooh, nice. I like so, that. So... So I was just I just wanted to cook the rice and chicken stock and then I found this whole recipe. So that's what you do. You 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 saute the onions and garlic first mm-hmm. and then you add the rice and the chicken stock and you like put it on I don't know, high pressure for ten minutes or something. Um and I had like onion and lemon and I don't think I put any cheese and butter. And it turned out so good. It was delicious. That sounds really um, yummy. It seemed like something you might like. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And I served it with broccoli and turkey sausage. Ooh. No, that sounds great. I, I need more, like, recipe 
inspiration. I'm just feeling so burnt out on like making food and coming up with meals. And the crazy thing is like, haven't I been doing that for years? Like why <laughs> this, why suddenly in the, it's, it's as if like I've never is... done that pre pandemic. <laughs> and like, why? I don't know why suddenly I'm exhausted by that, but I, I am. I feel like everything is harder yeah, right now. You know, right? <laughs> just, yeah. That's just how it is. That's... Yeah. I did make some buffalo um... cauliflower though. Did a little like buffalo mm. cauliflower bowl situation, and that was pretty good. Uh, that sounds you good. You might not like it, but because it's spicy, <laughs> I can do a mild buffalo yeah. sauce. Yeah, and you can pick your day. level like of some spice. Franks yeah, red hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but probably I would not like it if you made it for you. Yeah, is what I'm gonna. Joe say. had to tell me the <laughs> other day. I made like um just like pasta, like red sauce pasta, and uh, I think I had like an what is it? arabiata sauce yeah which mm-hmm. is like spicy and mm-hmm. he said to me when he was eating he was like you know um sometimes we could have not we could have like not spicy stuff because <laughs> i just it's like every meal i'm like what can i do that totally. is spicy um but i'm probably like destroying <laughs> our stomach lining or something so i need to whatever whatever <laughs> anyway um Okay, so you have a lady of the week, yes. and this is a tough one. I know. Um, but it, it's very important, and I feel like it really, I think, has affected a lot of people and been a big wake-up call for, like, the things that are perceived as normal as not, they are not normal. Like, that we have to text each other when we get home and things like that. Yes. Um, so the lady of the week is Sarah Everard who, um, 33-year-old woman, was she was murdered while walking home um, a little less than a month ago and in, in London. South London. And literally just, like, she did everything right. You know, she was walking home from a friend's house. It wasn't a super long walk. She was walking in a well-lit area, not late. In, it was, like, 9.30 at night, like, not middle of the night. She was... She called her boyfriend on the walk home, talked to him. Um, She was, I mean, they have, like, CCTV footage of her walking. Um, She's wearing, like, bright clothing, nothing, you know, I mean, I think it was, like, leggings and, like, a jacket, like, nothing. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, she never made it home. They have arrested and are now sentencing, um or like bringing about charges against a police officer in which is in like London. the craziest part that's like i mean well it's if you listen to up. any true crime podcast or watch documentaries like it's not that crazy like so i mean the golden golden state killer was a former cop like a lot of a lot of these yeah, things are that's yeah. true um it's sad yeah so if people have maybe seen on social media, there's been like a recent uptick in women once again posting like reminders of like, hey, we live our lives constantly thinking about how to not disappear. <laughs> like um, that that's because of Sarah Everard. Um, and actually, they just had a candlelight vigil in 
London uh, last night, so last Saturday, um, and the police like broke it up and started arresting people. And oh my god, yeah, that's horrible. Um, the mayor of London has like kind of come out and said that he's not a fan of how it was handled uh, by by the police, and a lot of people are calling for the resignation of the um, commissioner. She also like has kind of a not great track record of uh, calling like environmental protesters eco-crusaders turned criminals and then labeling uh, like Black Lives Matter demonstrators like as thugs and yeah. So Oh my god. She's not great but uh, she's not the focus of this. The focus is Sarah and how she was just living her life and because of society and how you know we raise men she's she's not here anymore um yeah yeah it's it's fucked up and you know i i just think that there has to be (laughs) there has to be a change there has to be a shift Mm -hmm. in you know our cultural norms yes yes definitely so that brings us to our woman-owned business. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Katie? Yeah, I will. So I've actually been seeing this, like ads for this a lot on social media, and we've talked about how easily influenced I am. Um, <laughs> but I do. I am glad that I'm seeing this because I think this is like important. So uh, you may have seen the She's Birdie uh, personal alarms that are going around, like safety alarms. So mm-hmm. it's. Uh, just she's birdie.com and it's uh s-h-e apostrophe s and then b-i-r-d-i-e she's birdie and they are these like cute little colorful keychains basically and when it is like the two parts of it are like pulled apart disconnected which would be very easy to do if something were happening to you i i think i think easier than maybe like some other things like getting something out of your purse like you know mace or something like that would maybe be difficult but uh when you pull it apart it sounds off like the super loud alarm and there's like this really bright light that's flashing and you can see a demonstration um on their website but it's made for women by women it's uh the co-founders are two sisters um and you know they have a lot of they kind of say they have a lot of large it's a large family uh, with a lot of women in it, and they wanted to do something to keep uh, those women and all women a little bit safer. So, um, if it's if you're innovative. in the market, I, I would cool. for something like this, I would definitely check it out. I used to have a little um, like a keychain that it looked like a cat, but it had really pointy ears, so you could like stab yeah. someone basically with yeah. it and mm-hmm. it was taken away from me at the airport by security um <laughs> i like i didn't even think about it was just on my keychain and i'm just like and which my keys were in my purse just going through security and they it yeah. got pulled aside and they were like you have a weapon and i was like um no i don't have a weapon i am trying to protect my i was like not happy about it i understand why they took it but i was also but yeah, that's still like, yeah, especially if you're like going somewhere mm-hmm. where you're, you know, not familiar, you might feel more unsafe. 
So, yeah, that's frustrating. Um, Well, I think we've gotten to the time where we can introduce our guest for this week. Okay. Our guest this week is um, my good pal, Kelly Podock. And uh, Kelly and I went to college together. That's how I know her. But she... um, works in politics and has ever since she graduated and she talks to us a little bit about her career path uh working in the uh, state house here in indiana and then uh, now she works um in politics uh for the democratic party up in wisconsin and so we talk a little bit about that so please enjoy our interview with kelly Enjoy. Bye. It's so nice when we can just bring old pals onto the podcast and catch up. That's actually, that's secretly what we're using this for, right, Aurelia? Yep, that's pretty much it. Just to reconnect (laughs) with our faves. Yes, with our faves, the faves from our past lives. Um, (laughs) Today we have my friend Kelly, Kelly Podak, who is joining us to talk about her career in politics. Uh, And right now she works in Wisconsin politics. So welcome, Kelly. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here. It's so fun. Hetledge, I haven't talked to you in like years. So I know. I don't talk to anyone. (laughs) I don't talk to anyone. And nobody lives here anymore. Like nobody, Kelly and I went to uh, college together in the same sorority. And it's like everyone within the first five years of graduating just moves out of Indiana. Yeah. Yep. Which I I get, I'm not blaming them, (laughs) but when Aurelia left, I'm leaving, you left, but it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) So to get started, Katie prepared a game. Yes, yes I did. Uh, Katie, give us an overview. Okay, so anyone who is familiar with like presidential campaigns, may know that uh, campaigns will often have like one or two kind of campaign songs that they like to play at all of their rallies and they like just walk out to these songs. And so I found on Wikipedia and ThoughtCo a list of some campaign songs. And I thought it would be fun if I tell you the song and you try to guess which presidential candidate it's from. These are... 90s and beyond. So nothing older than 19, like 94, okay. I think. Um, are these all elected presidents or they're also candidates? Just some, some did win, but there are also some, just uh, some candidates thrown in there as well. I'm going to be terrible at this. <laughs> well, Kelly, oh. you and I, we can work as a team and okay. guess better. Well, That's my better than- <laughs> option. I don't know. Yes, Aurelia is really going to help. Um, there were definitely some that I was like, I, I mean, I would never really know any of these. It's not like I have been to a million um, presidential rallies, but I think some of them we you might be able to get. Uh, I will say, as a a helpful hint, perhaps. Um, People are only used once. Okay. 
So like, even though, you know, Obama may have had multiple songs that he used, only mm-hmm. one of them is on here. So you won't be guessing the same person multiple times correctly. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, I mean, let, let's do it. I, let's do it. <laughs> I don't care if you're ready, Kelly, yeah, but I am ready. <laughs> let's do it, let's try it, let's see what happens. Okay, here we, here we go. Number one, Roar by Katy Perry. Hillary Clinton. Yes, that is, that is <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Katy Perry like performed at stuff for her, right? Yeah. yeah. And she like had a whole playlist on Spotify and that was part of it. So like, that's, whew, glad I got that one. That, been <laughs> that was so quick too. Yeah, you were like, Keep it. that in mind when I start to struggle in the next one. Okay, <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. All right, next one. I won't back down by Tom Petty. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say it's got to be an old white guy, but like they almost that all is most of them white guys. John Wayne. Oh, what else? Sure, let's go. I don't know. Or like John McCain. Yeah, let's do let's do John McCain. Okay, that is incorrect. The answer is George W. Bush. Oh, okay. Okay, Okay, I see that with this personality. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think it fits. Okay, here we go. Um, Think by Aretha Franklin. You gotta think. Um, I feel like Democrat. That's my... I feel like the only man who would like respect someone like Aretha Franklin would be Barack Obama like the yeah because he's like incredible and he's got Michelle on his side you know like of course Michelle would be like you have to and Aretha Franklin sang at his his first inauguration yeah is that right Obama it it is oh oh that's what I was thinking too Right. We both okay, thought. good job. You guys have two correct. Okay, here we go. Um, YMCA by the village people. Someone had this as their campaign song. And then I'm pretty sure the village people said, stop using our song. Okay, so oh, I, I think that happened. Um I'm just saying, if somebody said stop using our song, like he yes. would maybe be the person that they would want to have it him is, stop. It is true. The village people did request that this candidate stop playing YMCA at their rallies. I I think it's Trump. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like a video of him like doing it wrong too or something. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Um. What else do we have here? Oh, nine to five by Dolly Parton. Oh hell yeah! Wait, I just. (laughs) Um, I bet it's. How old did you say? Is like Bill Clinton the oldest? Uh. Bill Clinton is the oldest on this list or like I was was gonna George Bush the first one but (laughs) 
he's like too far. Um, I mean, she's from uh, Tennessee. I, I can't think of any candidates from Tennessee who would do it. What about, um, oh, who was the guy that, oh, John Kerry? <laughs> no, he's not. He's not on my list. This one is uh, just a candidate and... Can you tell us which party he's in? She <gasps> is a Democrat. This Elizabeth is not even like final candidate stuff, but I wanted to include it because it's 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. <laughs> Maybe it is Elizabeth Warren. You might be right. That's what I, I think. It is, it is, yeah. That's Elizabeth yes. Warren. Doesn't that make yeah. sense? So she's like all about, I mean, she really, those high fives, my God. Those uh, selfies, that woman. She's incredible. She works nine to five and then some. So yeah, you're right. Um, okay, what do, else do we have? We're um, doing I'm pleasantly surprised. I know. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> okay. Don't stop by Fleetwood Mac. I don't even think I know that song. I'm gonna yeah, I don't know if I really do either. I just know dreams. I mean, I know some other ones. But. I mean, I, I I I love a good Stevie Nicks song, but like I know people are just gatekeeping the shit out of Fleetwood and Mac right now. So I, I feel like I can't <laughs> stay a fan. What about uh, Mitt Romney? I'm just trying to think of people who recently have run for president. Yeah. <laughs> Odd choice though, Fleetwood Mac. Sanders or something, I could see him being oh, like, ooh, there's son. You would you like a hint? Yes. Sure. Because okay. I guess what we said. When I read that uh this person's song was Don't Stop, I thought maybe some maybe this person should have stopped something they did at one point in time. What? Carson? No, this is like a more mainstream. Uh, Kanye West. Is this one Bill Clinton? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. I got the reference. The innuendo. I see. I see. Oh. I see. Okay, we just have. I'm gonna a couple more. A couple more. They're all men. They're all okay. white men. Surprise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Barracuda by heart. Ooh. John McCain. Yeah. Really? Right? Yes. <laughs> one's John McCain. I know. I was like, are you serious? I guessed him already, but that really felt right for him. Wow. Right. Okay. You felt his spirit in that song, I guess. <laughs> yes. okay. Um, okay. I don't know this song, but We the People by the Staple Singers. Who are the staple singers? Um, I don't know. Um, we the People is a song from Schoolhouse Rock. No, well, it's uh, me. Really? <laughs> well, I know, but that's the that's whatever. It is a song. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little part of the lyrics and see if maybe this helps you. Okay. Um, okay. We the people, yeah, got to make the world go round. Got to make the world now. 
You may have the black blood or you may have the white blood, but we are all are living on blood. So don't let nobody slip into the mud because we the people, you tell them, got to make the world go round. Al Gore. No. No. I have no idea. Is this one Bernie Sanders? Did no. we already guess him? Did We've we not guessed him yet. Oh, okay. It's I not some obscure person if they have this song. No. It's okay. Um, it was it a final candidate, like somebody who made it all the way. Is this one Mitt Romney? No, she said Mitt Romney wasn't. He's not on the list. Oh, yeah, you're right. Did I say John Kerry already? Yeah. He's also we, not on the he, list. Okay. Repeating the same like three. <laughs> like, hold on. Okay. Okay. Let's think this through. He, he was a final candidate. Who? It's not Al Gore. I don't even. I, I have no idea. Uh, wait. Bob Dole. No. Yeah, I am. I just looked up the list of people who ran for president. Well, I still didn't get it right with cheating. I have no idea. Okay. This is our current president. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that he was like included, but I, I know. Yeah, I also. When I think about Biden, I mostly still have like VP kind of stuck in my head because it's just for eight years, you know. Right. Fresh. You'd think that song we would know by now, but I don't really like listen to the beginning where there's music playing, I'm going to be honest. Well, so. and so many of his campaign events were canceled or virtual. So yeah. like, like, why would they play on the news? Yeah. Didn't quite hit the same with the song. Right. So that's why we didn't get it. Yes. not because yes. we didn't know it. Yeah, flawed question. Okay. Yeah. I felt like I had to. Wait, I have one last one. Okay. Starman by David Bowie. Al Gore. No. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finally. I know, finally. Okay. Right. That was all of them. I think you guys, I think you got the majority of them though. That we was pretty good. Know. We yeah. did pretty I would say. Yeah. Cool. I'm impressed. I am. Yes. I'm impressed as well. Okay. <laughs> um, so Kelly, we always ask everyone the same question to start off with, which is what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I mean, I think I obviously like at one point, like every suburban little girl wanted to be a marine biologist at one point <laughs> we do I, get that answer a lot see, like everyone wanted to be one and then I realized I'm terrified of the open ocean sure um like it's horrifying um then you know I had that phase where I wanted to be a teacher which most people also have and then I realized I don't really like kids that much and I don't have a lot of patience so there's that part um I think the thing that stuck with me the longest was like wanting to be a lawyer. I definitely did when I was little, which you see a lot in this field and, and a lot of people do end up going to law school, but it just like didn't, I wasn't going to pay that amount of money to sit in more school. And I've heard just horror stories. And, mm -hmm. but I think, I think lawyer was probably what I wanted to be like 
in actuality for the longest. So what did you go to school for then? Yeah, I majored. So I went to Butler University as did Hetledge. Um, Katie, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I majored in history and political science. So I had a double major. Um, I really wanted to do just history because I just loved history in high school and growing up. And then my dad being a wise father was like, <laughs> you can't get a job with a history degree. Yeah. Which <laughs> fair. But I also think I learned a lot with my history degree, like how to, you know, really analyze certain things or even truly it sounds so cliche, but especially in politics, like it benefits you to know the history of things, to know the history of when things were passed or why, or, you know, restructuring of political parties, you know, people use that shit a lot. Like Lincoln was a Republican. Oh, like, yeah. You know what the Republican Party was back then? Like, come on. And so, also, I mean, Lincoln, like, he did a lot of good stuff, but he also did some stuff that, like, isn't pr praiseworthy. So, exactly. And, you know, like, his main thing was basically federalism, which is not something Republicans love right now, anyway. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, so anyway, it definitely, like, I really appreciate my history degree, but obviously the political science one, I think is the one that landed me more job interviews per se, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say, you know, it, it's again, at a liberal arts college, it was classes of, of 10 people. I mean, Hedledge, you, you were in one of my poli-sci classes or government classes, and yeah. it was definitely like, there were some that were pretty broad, like here's how government or local government works. And then a lot were, you know, foreign policy and how that works. And, and honestly, it was, it was all the stuff that you didn't learn in elementary school, middle school, high school, like teaching you like, yeah, you've had this very romanticized version of everything the U.S. has done and really opens you up to that, um, which is important. And I think especially nowadays, people need to recognize that like you just said, there are people who did great things, but there are also other sides to them. And that's, we need to start recognizing that. Um, so yeah, long story short, that's what I went to school for. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I, I definitely remember seeing a tweet that was like, remember how our grade schools taught us that like Martin Luther King fixed racism? <laughs> yeah. And it was just <laughs> or, like ended racism. And I yeah. was like, oh my God, I did think like, I didn't realize that I thought that for so long, but I did because that's what they basically told us. Absolutely. Yeah. Or that like the only thing that happened was like MLK and Rosa Parks. Like that was mm -hmm. it like, for the longest time. That was all I learned about. Yeah. Was, like, really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's Black History um, Month. So happy Black History Month, everyone. Yes. Um, this actually, this is going to come out in March, but We'll have, that's Women's History Month. So. Yes. There yeah. we go. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, we're, okay. Co we're covered. <laughs> so while you were in school, were you involved in like any um, like organizations uh, or clubs related to what you are, were interested in in school? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, Did Butler I have like a Young Dems or something? I, I do know. They probably <laughs> did. I wasn't involved in it at all. Um, one, I just 
you know, double majoring or not, uh, school was a lot. Like we yeah. had a lot of work to do. And then, you know, I was part of the sorority, which took up a lot of time. And also I wanted to spend time with my friends. I wanted to have downtime, time, but like I was never involved in time. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I, I was not interested. Like I didn't even think about joining the Student Government Association. Like I had zero interest. I think I just... I don't, I didn't see the the purpose of it. I think it probably would have looked better on my resume, but I think at that point, everyone in college to me was an overachiever. So it was like, that's not really going to set me apart anyway. So why put myself through it to be honest? That's so, hilarious. and a lot of them weren't like government type people. It was just like a more of a leadership position. It wasn't like, here's how you run parliamentary procedures and things like that. Um, so it wasn't really government focused. So I just really didn't see a purpose. So I was uh, not involved in literally anything, which, you know, Madura, who was my best friend, is my involved best friend. Involved in everything. Literally, I had to sit her down and be like, you need to stop doing something. And I'm sitting here just like involved in nothing. <laughs> like, Listen to me, take my advice. But you, know, but you, you went to DC for a semester though. That's true. Yeah, I did. One of the main reasons I went to Butler was because they basically did it. It was almost, it was like study abroad, but you mm-hmm. went to DC instead and they helped place you in an internship and, you know, they had housing that you didn't have to pay extra for. It was like wrapped in the tuition there and you took classes still, which was in the building. So that was really nice. Um, so I did take a semester in my junior year. Yeah, my junior year. Um, and I went to DC and I worked there, which was just the best semester ever. And luckily there were friends that I had that went with me. And I, I met friends there that I still talk to to this day. Um, so that was probably, yeah, the one big extracurricular, I guess, thing. But, you know, unlike study abroad, I actually had to work nine to five every day. And like, I hear study abroad people be like, we barely went to class. We traveled all the place. And I was like, I worked for free and I had to pay DC prices for everything and pay for the Metro and all this. I got got gypped here, but you know, it was still, it was worth it, I guess. (laughs) What were you, what was like your job there? Yeah, I, shockingly I don't know how I landed this but I ended up I really don't like I don't understand I ended up getting an internship at the White House and this was when Obama was president so technically I'm to be clear yeah to be clear let's be very 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 explicit here this was (laughs) under the Obama administration um and I so I actually was what's called an associate because that department just needed more interns than what the WIP office would allow. So mm-hmm. they they hired me directly that office and it was the Office of Presidential Correspondence, um, which actually has a lot of people know about it now because a lot of news articles came out about how Obama would read 10 letters personally a day and right. write back or he would invite certain people who wrote to him to the white house especially you could like if you sent like your wedding invitation to him wouldn't you get Mm -hmm. like a letter back 
Yeah. And you was can, that like, you? Were you sending wedding letters? I did not. That was uh, right next door. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I did get to read a lot of letters and a lot of them were very heartwarming. A lot of them, there were a few that I did submit for him to like read. I don't know if he ever did, but I hope. Um, so it was, it was incredible. And like I said, I, I have friends who I still talk to from that internship and it was great, a great experience. I mean, we worked in the EEOB, which is that building right next to the White House. So mm -hmm. it's very noticeable. It's the Eisenhower Executive Office Building. And that's actually where like the VP's office is. Um, overflow. Yeah. And, you know, NSC, I think, is in there and, and a couple other things. If you've ever seen the show Veep, that's where most of it took place. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that building. <laughs> great show everyone should go watch it yeah. um so it was it was incredible and they made the most out of it like I got to go to on the south lawn and watch some dignitaries come in and greet each other or um you know I got to go to the White House Easter egg roll which is just so iconic and I was able to be a part of that um, and they really made a point to have guest speakers come and talk to us and learn about different positions. And when they came, they were present, you know, like these are White House staffers and they were so present with you, like asking everyone in the room where they were from. It was just such a welcoming environment and, um, you know, a position where you could read some terrible things or hear heavy, heavy stuff um, and it was, it was incredible and I will never forget it. You know, got to take a tour of the West Wing, which is great. Got to meet Obama's dogs. That was a highlight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the picture and Bow and Sunny. Um, I got to pet them. I have a picture. I'll send it to you. Like that'll. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put that on our socials. Like that. That's, that's I literally, that's my fun fact. Whenever I have to like give fun facts, I'm like, I'm not a big name dropper. Like, I don't like to show off about, oh, this White House internship when I was a junior in college, but that is something I will, I will brag about forever, forever. <laughs> okay. <Absolutely>. So <laughs> um, I know you just said that you don't like to like name drop, but did you meet Obama or Michelle or Biden? Or that wasn't really like, accessible to you it it was a little bit like we would be able to go to smaller gatherings where they were speaking um so i was able i i didn't essentially like meet them but i was in very small groups in the eob where you know michelle obama i think it was maybe 50 people and she was talking about the hardships that native americans deal with when it comes to addiction and suicide rates you know those are exponentially higher than anywhere else. And she was talking about that. And um, President Obama had a, I think it was basically a council of small businesses and Valerie Jarrett was there, who's also a senior advisor for him. Um, and she's incredible. And he was talking about how women in business are just incredible and why we need to support a higher minimum wage. And um, again, on the South Lawn, there was, it was Biden and Obama and, and I forgot who it was, but at the time it was the Secretary of Veterans Affairs and they did um, like a wounded warrior ride with veterans. 
around, you know, the South Lawn of the White House. So that was incredible. And they just like walked out, you know, the Truman balconies up there and they're hanging out and they greeted people. And of course there was like veterans families. So I'm not going to like rush in front of them to say hello <laughs> to anyone. Excuse but, me, I'm an intern. Yeah, I'm sorry. I deserve this. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I was, it was incredible to be in those small spaces and, um, have that also more as like a memory, you know, it was me listening to them. It wasn't a, a space for us to just like take pictures and record it and all of that. Um, so it, it was, it was great. And, you know, we would hear sometimes, oh, here's one, here's a good one. So in the EEOB is where they also would have, like, I think he did this yearly, um, like a science fair for kids, basically. And I was in line because I still had to go through security through Secret Service every day and like be sniffed by drug sniffing dogs every day and all that. And um, who's in front of me in line other than Bill Nye, the science guy? It was incredible. And of course I had to play oh cool because I'm like, I need to be professional. Yeah, of I'm course. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, oh my God. Like, That's so Cool. Is he tall? He looks really tall. Oh, he's very tall. He's this okay. tall, lanky science guy. Like he was just a mask dancer. He was an ice. Really? He played an ice cube with his mask. Yeah. He didn't make it very far. He's not a very good dancer. Right? He's like, I know I'm not good, but I love to dance. <laughs> hey, that's uh, and I have that in common. <laughs> That's, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really amazing. Um, so I see here that you also worked at the Indiana House. Was that after you graduated college or was that like a internship situation as well? It was, it was both. So luckily the Indiana House of Representatives, the Democratic Caucus there um, actually had paid internships, which is hard to come by as we all know. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was full-time, absolutely full-time. So luckily I was, I had researched it, you know, in advance and made sure I didn't really have to take many classes my last semester of senior year. Um, I think it was like a independent study I had to do. So I actually worked basically again, like nine to five, usually later because session, how session works, you end up staying late. Um, and so my last semester of college, I ended up just working session as a legislative intern. Um, and it was, it was great. I actually was in the minority leader's office. Um, so I worked closely with a lot of, uh, you know, the attorneys that worked there and also the chief of staff there, um, and got to know a lot of the actual staff. Um, and that ended up just, you know, when we finished session in the middle of March, since it wasn't a budget year, how Indiana works, um, session ends like middle of March. And then on budget years, it goes until May. Um, cause we're a part-time legislature in Indiana and someone actually was leaving around the same time and they called and asked if I would step in. So I, I kind of started working there, I think maybe like April of my senior year. So like a little bit before I actually graduated, um, I started working full-time there, which is crazy because, you know, you expect to be unemployed for so long yeah. and happen to, you know, make really great relationships and, have good work ethic and be lucky enough that I was living in Indianapolis. A lot of the interns don't live there. So it would have been a little more difficult too. So I was like privileged to be located there already and 
had a good relationship with the chief of staff since that's the office I worked in um, and was brought on full time. So it was great. Yeah. What is, um, so what does like a legislative assistant do? Is that something that people stay in for a long time or is there a lot of turnover in that kind of position? Yeah. So a legislative assistant, I think, so I only can speak for the house side, you know, not the other chamber of the Senate. Um, and for us, it entailed having usually a couple of legislators like on your caseload. So there would be a point depending on how many staff we had, I had maybe three or four different legislators and I'm the only staffer who represents that office. Um, so during session, a lot of what they do is sit in on committees and take notes for the rest of the caucus, you know, for the legislators who couldn't be there, um, you take notes on those bills so they can vote appropriately when they, it gets to the floor. Um, you kind of organize the bills. Uh, there are times where amendments come flooding in, you know, there could be 30 amendments to one bill and you have to make sure everything is, this was also at a time, I say this like it was so long ago, but it was a few years ago and no one was electronic. Like everyone had hard copy of everything and you had to sit there and organize all the amendments and the bills in order and put it on the desk. And when you have three different legislators, like that's why the interns are very helpful also. You, you definitely need an, an extra hand. Um, so that's typically like a lot of what they do is the taking notes and, and also meeting with constituents sometimes, but definitely a, a lot of the work that they do and that I did was constituent work. And that, that really- like answering was, phones? Yeah, it would like be- when I call to complain, them. is that? Yeah, so if you ever have to call and complain, be nice. You know, they've heard it all. Um, but I think a lot of it too is actual like casework. So people who just know that they somehow need something with the government, whether that's food stamps or something with the DMV, or I think it's BMV in Indiana. Is that what it is? DMV, yeah. Yeah. Bureau. I already forgot. Um, you know, they know it's somehow related to government, but they don't know where to go or how to start, or they feel like they're being stalled or railroaded somewhere, they would call in. And, and a lot of the times we would be able to somehow help them, or we would have specific people that we could talk to in those different state departments uh, to connect them with and help move things along, um, which was always, such a great feeling when you would be able to check up on them and be like, hey, just wanted to circle back and see how this is going. And they'll be like, we got it figured out. Like I have this, this, and this all set or anything like that. Um, so especially when we're not in session, that's basically what LAs end up doing most of the time um, is that and being, being the staffer for that representative, you know, it's, that's all they have is one staffer that they share usually with other legislators. So, um, you know, I ended up having, I had legislators from all across the state, like Southern Indiana, Northern Indiana, Indianapolis. And uh, you really got to know those areas. You got to find out like what concerned them in those areas, what those big issues were, um, what communities were really important and were really vocal and, that really affected the legislators and, and how they would vote or what they would push forward. Um, 
so it was it was really interesting you know sitting in in one office in indianapolis and i got to hear about all these different communities across indiana um so it, it's definitely more fun during session because you're sitting there hearing all these bills and going to committees and um listening to experts talk about these bills but you know during the summer when we're not in session is i think where la's actually get to do great work and that's when we get yelled at probably the most and have like the hardest days but also i think the most rewarding days when you actually get something done for someone who just like lost all faith or thought on a whim to call their legislator like who thinks to call their state representative when they need something and it's like well maybe we can't help you with social security because that's a federal organization <laughs> but let me put you in touch with our state senator you know our senator up in the capitol and, and they can help you and it's just you know one step can help them so that that's kind of what an la does <laughs> so a lot <laughs> yeah so Speaking of Indiana, since you were talking about some different areas there, uh, we love Indiana, but Indiana is traditionally a red state. Uh, what are some of the challenges that, and, and I guess Wisconsin goes back and forth. So what are some of the challenges of, of when you're in the minority party? Yeah. Um, so Indiana, especially since I worked in the government there here in Wisconsin, I'm more on the political campaign side. So I'm not really involved much in like the policy making here. Um, but in Indiana, it was very demoralizing. Um, because not only did we not have a majority in the House, we didn't have a majority in the Senate, we also did not do not have a governor. So you know, it, it was like, we can't even try to veto something because the governor is Republican, like they are, are on the same agenda. Um, and really the most our legislators could do day in and day out was throw amendments to try and make bills what we consider better, um, we being Democrats. And that's why they would end up just throwing so many amendments on there because we wanted to be able to have maybe if we were lucky, we would get a soundbite and, you know, press would pick up that Democrats were very upset. We, we forced people to stay on the floor for hours over this bill that eventually we all know is going to pass. Right. But this is the only thing we can do is actually speak up instead of just sitting and being like, we're, we're not going to win. Like that's what happens. But, you know, even I think something that I learned in general, when I worked in Indiana, you know, I took four years of political science classes at a college level, and I never really knew how bills became laws. <laughs> truthfully, like I and process. Yeah, and let, like people wonder why it goes so slow, and I get that frustration, but also there's a purpose to it, right? You know, you, like for a bill to become a law, it has to go through so much, so much, um, which can mean great things that it's vetted, that it checks and balances, but when all those steps have the same people in power, it's a little different. Um, but, you know, our, our legislators would introduce bills that would never even be heard in a committee, which is the first step in a bill, is being heard in a committee, passed out of a committee, 
to then go to the floor for a vote and they would never even be heard, which essentially means that Bill is dead and that's it. So it's it's really frustrating to see our legislators work really hard and tell our tell their communities like I care about this issue. I am introducing a bill that would help this. And then they have to turn around and say, the committee chairman just decided not to hear it. They said there wasn't enough time, decided not to hear it. And that's it. That's all I can do. Or you hope to somehow flip it in an amendment and attach it to another bill. But that amendment probably is not going to pass, right? Unless you really, really work with the opposite party or maybe it's it's a credit thing you know like the republicans want credit for it so they'll allow it to slip into their bill and it's their name on it which at the end of the day who cares essentially you know but that's that's the nature of the beast um you know here in wisconsin we have republicans in the house and the senate um but we do have a democratic governor tony evers here and there was it was difficult because you know vetoes can be overturned right so um this past election we at the democratic party of wisconsin tried really hard to make sure there was enough democrats in both chambers to save that veto um and luckily it, it happened but you know when people talk about local elections like it it matters it matters and even if it's not someone who's your representative in the grand scheme of things, if that's one more vote to save the governor's veto, like that is way more than anything I ever had in Indiana to, to even look forward to. And I think when it, it comes to your question about, is it a position that people stay in long? I think it depends, frankly. And that that's also a phrase you hear very often in government mm -hmm. politics is it depends, right. but it really depends on the state. It depends if your party's in power. Um, it depends, you know, if you work for one of the senior members who's a part of great committees, like sure, you're gonna wanna stay on, like you'll get a lot of policy issues on your desk and do all these things. But, you know, for me, when I had to sit there, I think I worked there about three, three and a half years. And I had to just sit there every day and listen to them take funding away from public schools or listen oh, yeah. to them they're doing that right now <laughs> like yeah. bill where they're trying to give a ton of the funding to private schools and charter schools and 94 percent of indiana students are in public schools i know it's i know yeah you know you know <laughs> oh yeah but it it also like it means something when when people who are actually in the profession, like I, I did see people from Indiana who are teachers like posting about it. I'm like, that's great. Remember this when you vote next time, right? Like remember who these who these people are who voted for that, who introduced those bills. Like that's just, it's essential. And, um, you know, I think too, when it comes to staff and legislators, I think legislators get really burnt out when they're not in the majority party for them to go to work every day and try and make a difference. You know, again, not a lot of people understand the process. So when they answer to their constituents, the constituents just think that they are another like paid politician who isn't getting anything done. And that's fair, but that's also why I think a lot of kind of younger rising star type politicians and public servants end up leaving because it just, it's very demoralizing and it's hard to stand by and, and 
be a part of that every day. It just, you can't do it forever. I applaud those who have. I know there are still a few people I worked with in Indiana who are still there and it's needed. It's it's a very noble thing to stick around. The, you don't get paid that much, you know, it's not like you're making a whole lot and you sit there and answer those calls day in and day out. And so do the, the legislators. So it's, it's definitely, I don't think something where people make a whole lifelong career out of. I, yeah. I don't see a lot of people who have been there since college and stick around for 20 years. Um, they usually end up bouncing around. And that also is, you know, there's not too many different types of jobs other than just you're in LA, you're in LA. Um, you might be more senior, but every year it's kind of the same old story. So, yeah. Yeah. Was there any, was there like anything, any policy area that you did see bipartisan support for in Indiana more often than not? <laughs> I know I was like, the answer might be no, but I didn't know if there, if it was like, actually it might surprise you that like this thing, like veteran support or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think there are some, right. That everyone thinks they should all be on the same page for it, like veterans. Or education. Like education. Yeah. Um, and, or like, um, like children, you know, or CPS, things like that. Um, but I, being in the weeds of it, I didn't see much. Maybe okay. I'm forgetting something. Maybe I'm clouded by um, that, but I, I think what stuck with me most was everything they had been doing with education, mm -hmm. even when I was there. And yeah, they're, they're still doing it. They, back then they did it too. They took so much public money. It's crazy it how they keep saying that schools are failing when they made them fail. Um. <laughs> yeah, your standardized tests. When like they that. said, here are the tests you have to pass and you're not getting money. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do things we don't need. Yeah. Or, you know, the, I was a part of the, I took notes in the courts and criminal code committee, which is fascinating. And I got to learn a lot about different nuances and with policy or with the words that are used in laws difference between like a shall and a may is a very different thing. Um, and a lot of it back then was like the CBD oil and mm -hmm. It was just, we had moms come in talking about their kids who had terrible, terrible illnesses that just, she came in with this bag full of medication and she was just pleading like near tears about how great this oil would be for her child. And these, they were all men, um, just sat there and were like, mm, no, like it's illegal it's marijuana and we don't want kids getting high. Like, do you read? I, yeah, it, it was heartbreaking. So um, it was difficult to listen to for sure. So you were maybe not sad to leave that behind and go out to Wisconsin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's great that we have a little more power here than we did in Indiana. I will say, obviously, for me, like that was the start of my career, right? And like that was where I learned 
how government works, to be honest. Like I said, you, no class is going to teach you really about how people act in committees, like first reading, second reading, third reading, or how many amendments can be on a bill or conference committees. Like a lot of people don't know about that. And that's fair. You know, that's why we have people who specialize in that. But um, it, it, it showed me a lot about, you know, politics as usual, but it also kind of showed me the beginning of what I learned even in Wisconsin too, is like a lot of these elected officials are very passionate and they actually really, really care about their communities and they care about these policies that are being put forth. You know, of course you get those people who are career politicians who have been in their seat for years and years and years, and you can tell they've lost their passion but most haven't. And that really kept me, I think, in, in the game after I left Indiana, because it was like, I, I know the people I worked with, like they were all passionate, both the staff and the legislators. And it's like, I know when I made a difference in people, or I know when I helped catch certain things or, you know, met with special interest groups and really learned about it. And, you know, it's hard to get out. Um, I'll say that because a lot of people, even now I work with, especially after the election we just had with COVID, it's, it's, it really, uh, was tough for some people and they were all like, I'm getting out of politics. I'm done. I'm done. No, 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 no one leaves. You're stuck. You are stuck. But <laughs> so, uh, working in politics, um, especially campaigns seems like a gig economy because you know the campaign only runs for so long um at least from our perspective uh mm -hmm. how do you how do you navigate that instability or have you not really experienced that yeah um there is that's the short there is instability we all when you're on the campaign side you run your life with cycles of elections um that's just the nature of the work. And I haven't dealt with it too much since, you know, my first few years, I was on the official side, which is less so. Um, again, it, depend, it depends on where you are and how they're hired. Um, you know, in Indiana, I was part of the caucus. I wasn't hired by a certain legislator, so it didn't necessarily matter if a certain legislator on my caseload lost an election or was retiring, things like that. Um, so this has kind of been these past few years, my first real full-time immersion in the campaign side. Um, and it is, it's just something you know that your job isn't guaranteed post the election. Um, and luckily there's always another election. Um, <laughs> so I used to be kind of terrified of that, but you know, not everything is a presidential, but when you make this your kind of life, you know that, you know, in April, there's also elections, there are mayor's elections, there's, um, you know, different superintendent of public instruction for here in, in uh, Wisconsin in April. So there's always different things and there's still midterms every two years, right? And a lot of times campaigns do run the full two years between. Um, so it it is kind of scary because you never really have 
especially on the campaign side, unless you work for someone who just employs all the time and like has people standing by no matter what, um, you, you kind of end up job hopping and everyone ends up doing a lot of different things, which is also fun. Um, you end up going different places, meeting different people, meeting the same people. Um, you all kind of end up working different places at different times. And so it can be nerve wracking because it's not, I'm not going to look back at my career and be like, this is where I worked for 15 plus years. Um, unless I go, you know, kind of private sector or uh, an organization, something like that. So um, I haven't had too much of a problem yet. Uh, but again, that's just because I think I've only been in Wisconsin for about a year and a half, and we just got off a huge presidential election. So we were, you know, ramping up staffing at that point, which was good for me in my time. Yeah. <laughs> but it is very cyclical in nature. Okay. That makes sense. What yeah. is a, oops, sorry. What is a um, deputy candidate services director do? Yeah. So the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, which is where I, I was working, uh, we had a whole department in the political department called candidate services. And essentially we gave services and help and assistance to uh, like Wisconsin Assembly candidates. Here it's called the, the General Assembly in Indiana. It's the House of Representatives. Um, and it, for the main reason is because newer candidates, they don't have a lot of support and they don't know how a campaign should run. Um, they just, a lot of them are first time candidates who are sick and tired of seeing their Republican representative go unopposed, right? And they're like, I have to do something. I love my community. I'm sick of what they're doing. Um, so we're there to kind of sit in on meetings with them, guide them on the basics of how campaigns should run, um, train them on how to do certain things. You know, how here's generally how you fundraise. Here are some campaign finance laws you need to know about. So you don't break any laws, that would be great. Um, here's some platforms and softwares we can teach you how to use so you can make phone calls and actually talk to your constituents. Here, here's some general advice. So we worked, we had a team of five and we had, we had about 40 plus candidates we worked with. Um, and that was usually, yeah, just general advice and training. And I think what a lot of people don't realize when we start working with these candidates is how much time it takes to run a campaign. Um, especially a lot of them have full-time jobs on top of it. Um, you know, incumbents, their full-time job is the campaign. It is, you know, being a representative. So it's a little, plus they've done it before. You know, they have a much more of a leg up. Um, and so it's, it's kind of teaching them how to, to run the campaign, but also to let them know that we are here to support you. We are happy you're running. You know, a lot of the time it was, it was moral support because it's hard. And just like working in government, it, it can take a toll when you have to talk to so many people a day and some just don't want to talk to you, which is fine. But as, as a 
you know, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed new candidate who's very excited and wants to make change, it can be really hard. Um, so that's what we kind of did was more general consultants and teaching them how to do it. Cool. That's really interesting. I didn't know yeah. that existed. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. So uh, sort of shifting the focus back onto you and your career, um, I'm, I'm wondering what your ultimate goal is, like where you see yourself. Um, when are you and, running for president? Yeah, and would you ever run for office? For because I'm wondering, like, is that how some people get into becoming politicians that they like work on campaigns and they're like, oh, I could do that. Or they're sort of different things. Um, I, in my, from my experience, people who work as staff in campaigns and they know how hard it is and they know the good, bad, and the ugly of politics typically don't end up running. Um, <laughs> that sure. could just be the people I know. It could just be my cynical view, um, which isn't again all bad, but yeah. I know exactly how much time it takes to raise money. I know how much time it takes to knock on so many doors and talk to people and have a contact rate of like 2%, you know? Um, I think a lot of the people who end up running for office are, are big activists and big community leaders. They're the ones who get started by going to local meetings, whether that be like a labor union that they're a part of or a local, you know, county Democrat meeting. Um, I think the people who make great elected officials are the people who have that passion and are able to rally others around them, like us who are staff. Um, I have no interest in running for office. Uh, I, I, it's, it's so much work, you guys. It is so much work, even for smaller offices, right? Like it is just, you have to always be on your A game. You have to be prepared for people to throw crazy questions at you. You have to know how to talk to the press. You have to believe in yourself enough to get others to believe in you. You have to ask for money. Like as much as people hate that about politics, it's necessary because you, you want to pay your staff or you want to buy buttons or, you know, yard signs. People love their yard signs. So like, True. Yeah. Got to pay for it somehow. Um, and I just, I don't think I could do it. I think my heart belongs behind the scenes, uh, cheering, cheering them on from behind the stage. That's, that's where it is. That's great. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're <laughs> happy where you are. Yeah. Um, let's say that someone's listening to this and they're like, wait, I would also like to work behind the scenes. Um, and maybe they haven't worked in politics before, but they are interested in it. Do you have any advice or, or like how they could start that transition? Yeah, I think the, the easiest way would to be, be to volunteer for a campaign. Um, I didn't mention this, but before I even got the internship in college at the White House, I interned on a local campaign for Congress in my hometown. Actually, it wasn't even for my district. It was like a neighboring one because again, my district didn't have a Democrat running. 
So uh -huh. I worked for a neighboring district where there was a Democrat running and it's typically with the organizing team, which is very difficult. Um, organizers are the ones who knock on doors, are the ones who make the phone calls. They're the ones who are in the parades. They're, they're the ones who just have endless energy and are just like incredible people. I, I don't have the personality for that, but that was the only way I knew how to get started. Um, and that's where I think I got some of the, the, I got stories that I could write about to apply for my White House internship, which I'm guessing is the only way I was able to land that. Again, I have no idea. Um, and I, I think it's just the easiest way to figure out if it's something you, you are interested in, right? And it's, it's a way for you to also just feel more involved. It's, and, and it's not for everyone, right? If, you, if you're not into the phone calling and the door knocking, which I am not, which is why I was not an organizer, um, you can find different ways. And a lot more campaigns and a lot more political organizations are trying to have interns and they're trying to have paid interns. Um, we're learning that that's a thing you should do. So look, look for those. Um, look for those and it's, it's just, you got to get started. And I think volunteering that way, which good or bad, you know, organizing has always been the backbone of campaigns. And before COVID, it was again, knocking on doors that that was the way people campaigned. And with COVID, we were not able to do that. It switched to texting, it switched to phone calls, it switched to virtual events. Um, which I think is a way that now people who don't live in that state or don't live in that district can actually participate a little bit easier. It doesn't require you to have a car to get to and from places. It doesn't require you. People who volunteered like for Georgia, for the Georgia. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not living so, in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, which I think is incredible. I think that looking back, um, I do wish a lot more people, especially growing up in Illinois, which is very blue, um, a lot of people growing up were like, my vote doesn't matter, like what I do doesn't matter, it's blue no matter what. True, sure, but why don't you help out somewhere else? Like, why don't you call in for the Georgia runoff? Why don't you send $20 to a candidate that you really believe in? Like, especially when it's um, up to the federal level, even though those people, let's take Georgia, for example, our representatives, their senators of Georgia, they still are US senators. Like they still have the power. Again, what we were talking with like the vetoes and the majority is like, if there's someone you think you want to be a US senator, a US representative, like it matters to you. And it matters that, you know, look at the numbers that we have this, this 50, 50 in the Senate. And like, that's crazy. And having those numbers can mean a lot. And if, if party itself means a lot to you, or if, you know, it's lesser of two evils for some people. Um, but if, if there's an, an issue that really matters and there's a candidate that's not in your state or not in your district, maybe your hometown where you live, it still makes a difference. Um, if you give them a little bit of money, if you attend a fundraiser, if you attend a virtual event or you make calls on their behalf, sometimes it means more. When you call a constituent, you're like, I don't even live here, but I believe in this person so much 
that I'm willing to take time and I care about who's representing us, about who's involved in policies that I'm taking my free time and putting it behind this person. Um, so I think there's always ways to get involved if people want to, but I think it's been difficult for people in the past to figure that out. Um, but lately it's, it's been uh, more apparent and I think people are, are really becoming more involved, at least from what I've been seeing with my social groups. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. If people are like, okay, I want to get involved, what should they Google to figure that out? Uh, no, I would, I would guess like you could start with the candidates campaign website campaign. If campaigning is preferred than the campaign website that you'll, they'll usually have two. If they're an elected official, they have to have their official website and their campaign website. Um, there's also, if, if issues are really important to you, um, you know, if it comes, if it's something like black lives matter, like follow, follow their tags on social media, look at their websites and what they're suggesting you, you do. Um, if it's party, look up, you know, the democratic national convention, you know, uh, like the DNCC for congressional committees. Um, they'll usually tell you certain things. A lot of the times in college, I, when I went to vote um, and I wasn't really sure who to vote for, I looked up Emily's List, uh, which endorses Democratic women who are pro-choice, um, which is really important to me. And I would see who they endorse and I would wanna vote for them or I'd wanna work for them. Uh, so it kind of, de it depends <laughs> on what you're looking for. Um, if you're more party oriented or if you're issue-based um, or if there's just one candidate you, you don't, identify as a certain party, but there's a candidate that you're just totally jazzed about, um, reach out to them, reach out to their info box. A lot of times people will hook you up to their organizing team, like I was talking about, but then you're involved and then you meet people and that just leads to so many things. You know, the community around politics is definitely one where we look out for each other and we help each other get jobs. We think about each other when there are openings, things like that. That's been my experience and um, obviously one I will continue to be a part of. So I think it's just taking that first step and actually volunteering somewhere is the, the easiest way. Cool. Great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for chatting with us. This was really yeah. great. I loved hearing yeah. all of your stories. Thank you. That's the longest I've like talked about politics with people. <laughs> it's like I've never been more popular with my friend group than I was like the night of the election when everyone was finally getting attention <laughs> and they were all texting me and I was like, oh, wow, is this what it's like for you guys to care about what I do? <laughs> Not that they don't. They're lovely people. It's just, you know. It can, it can be a lot for some people, which okay. makes sense. But no, this has been great. I love that you asked me to come on and talk about it. And I hope, like I said, it's been crazy to see so many people that Hetledge, you and I went to college with who are so politically active now or oh, um, yeah. really taking the time. Yeah, or really taking the time to learn about things um, has been incredible. You know, you want to be... I think it used to be don't talk politics and mm -hmm. we're starting to learn about how that's a privilege for you to be able to say that you don't want to talk about politics like oh because 
these changes don't affect you. <laughs> right. I get it. So yeah. not everyone has the privilege to not be involved in politics. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Say well, it louder for the people in the yeah. back. <laughs> Oh, exactly. We'll talk politics with you anytime. Oh, yeah. I'll call you up. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kelly, for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I loved it. It was so fun. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Interested in being a guest? Send us an email at girlsjustwannapod at gmail.com. We love, we love you. you. Bye. Bye.